Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Motorcycle Podcast called The One They Call Creative Writing. This is The One They Call Creative Writing, episode number 260. Can you believe it, folks? 260 times. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. If you've been listening to this since the beginning, you've made this mistake 260 times. Let's start off the show this week with a little bit of toilet talk, shall we? If you pee... If you pee, thank you, Tillboard. If you pee, listen, I got something to tell you. If you have a toilet, most of us do that listen to this show. If you have a toilet, listen, I have a toilet. I have a bidet, too. I got all European last year with the, uh, when you know when you're in the bathroom, what are you doing European? Oh, anyways, um, yeah, I got a little bit European last year with the, uh, the toilet paper shortage, and I want to be able to clean everyone's butt in my family. So listen, I had to deinstall the bidet. I got one of them quick release toilet seats that you can take apart and, uh, you know, quick release to clean underneath it. Cause I have a kid, I have a son. We all know boys pee all over everywhere. I got wall, I got like, I need to buy new molding for the bathroom because, uh, it's so jacked up. Right. So, um, TMI, maybe, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's no fun cleaning there. And also, ladies, I know you're ladies. I know, yeah, you sit down on the toilet. You probably don't pee in the toilet or, or pee on the seat. But you know what you do do besides doo-doo? You do do the pee underneath the, the seat. Because when you pee in the water and it evaporates, it goes up and leaves the seat yellow underneath. I've replaced two toilet seats because of this. I know. And maybe we don't drink enough water here in California because we are in a drought and we have no water. Again, a little much, little TMI for you. But listen, or we're always dehydrated because we're always drinking lots of beer. Me, the whole family. And maybe RP just evaporates and is like super yellow underneath the seat. But if you're a lady, you can reach up and flick the seat down just as easily. Actually, more easy. You just blow on it hard enough and it'll fall down. You don't have to sit there and reach and lift it up and lift it back down. Just throw it down. When you leave, you lift it back up. I don't know. It's, tw- it's, it's 2021. We can, we can, uh, everybody, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say I didn't have fun cleaning pee under the bidet or off the toilet seat because the toilet seat is never lifted, right? So ladies and guys, guys, you probably pee all over the seat and the wall and everything anyway. You really need to clean that shit up. And ladies, I know you don't pee on the seat on purpose, at least. And sometimes you do. But when you pee, it still evaporates up. It turns the underside yellow. I'm just saying, for the sake of all toilet seat cleaners, yeah. Again with this. All right. Let's get out of this. Tobor, cue us up. I just wanted to throw that out here. If you pee, lift the seat. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Lift the seat. Lift the seat for all of us toilet seat cleaners out there in this world. All right, let's talk about toilet seats, talk about motorcycles. Thanks, I needed that. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. 
with no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Uh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? Oh, a little early on the plane crash there. Anyway, hey everybody, welcome to episode 260 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I'm your host, Fartbang Maturbagons, and with me this week is the invariable Tobor. Uh, Tobor T0B0R3000. <laughs> right? How you doing? <laughs> don't, don't look at me like that. How you doing, Tobor? Hello, Junkie. How are you urinating? <laughs> Listen... Sorry, how are you urinating? Junkie, I don't urinate. All right, I know. Listen, I just, I had to get that off my chest. I just, something happened today in the restroom. Obviously, you weren't in there. I was in there. But uh, I just, I had to get that off my chest this week. Are we going to be talking about the history of urinating (laughs) this week? (laughs) No, 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 no. No history of urination. No history of urination. Uh, we're just... I will quit asking about urinating. Okay, th- it would be awesome if you did. You're in a really weird mood. You look really weird. Like your butthole. <laughs> Tobor. Tobor, you're sassy tonight. I'm going to turn you off in a second here. Uh, anyways, unless you want me to help you, um, if you uh, stick around, you can help me with the uh, soundtrack, the soundboard. So be okay, awesome. you infernal fart cloud. Wow, you're in a mood. All right, everybody. Well, we got Tobor the the funny. Uh, if you were a knight, that would be your. Um, I think that would be your your knight name, Tobor the funny. Uh, so we got Tobor in here. So Tobor, um, you hang tight. I'm preparing and- my insult generator. Okay, great. Well, it's going to be a great show then. Maybe, maybe not. We got a lot of stuff to get to. We might, we might have to uh, uh, do insults next week. Um, we got a lot of get through before we get to this week's show. We have last show. If you listened up, we had a fella named Hunter Leonard, young guy. Actually, he's uh, still going to school, still going to college, getting his uh, engineering degree in socio-mechanical, uh, astrophysical, metaphysical, and particle acceleration uh, engineering. And what he's doing, he, ha- he has built a pretty awesome uh, electric motorbike. I hope you guys got to go check it out. This week, we're going to be continuing that saga. And before we get to that, I wanted to let you know, we got a bunch of stuff coming up. Before we get into, into any of this, Tobor, we probably should have said our disclaimer, being how you're in a kind of a silly mood tonight. Uh, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of our participants. They do not reflect the policy, the position, the opinions, or anything else, any other sort of viewpoint, uh, counterpoint, um, hollow point, whatever, of the Creative Writing Motorcycle um, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinion is a respective participants and does not intend to malign anyone or anything, even Scott 1930, Flying Squirrel Riders, which I did see at the uh, motorcycle show that I went to last time, last weekend, weekend before, I don't even know when it was now. I think it was before last show. So anyway, went to a two-stroke extravaganza last weekend. Saw some pretty sick bikes out there, actually. And uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. One of the raddest things I saw out there was that Scott Flying Squirrel. You don't see bikes. You know, bikes that are styled like that anymore, except for the Cannonball. And actually, the Cannonball just wrapped up. I just read an article on the winner. Listen, 
we'll do that next week. All of these things are like we're we're like two weeks behind right now. So three weeks from now, you'll you'll you could probably have gone and read the story, and you could probably send us a voicemail to this show. You know, send a little voice memo and email it to us, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, and you do a new segment, right, on what's been happening over the last three weeks. But anyway, we are. Uh, this is going to be a. Uh, not quite a fortnight since we put out our last episode. We're going to try and do this one week, 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 week for October, uh, at least, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. We do have uh, this week uh, some show events. Well, I wouldn't say show events. I would say we did go to that two-stroke show, which was pretty sick, pretty awesome. Um, haven't done much to my bikes except for uh, shop online for a bunch of stuff. I am in the electric, like I'm giddy. I'm just giddy right now, having spoke to, um, you know, having spoke to Hunter on our pre on our last show. The last guest we had before that was Trent with his uh, electric, uh, his electric supermoto, um, and so yeah, we are. I don't know. It's, it's rad. It's rad. And I've been looking up little mini bikes. You know, the uh, the guys at Steady, there's a there's a couple rad things that have been happening with minis in this part of town. There's a huge mini, um, actual mini bike, like, uh, uh, rivalry uh, that's really hot in, in L.A. County between L.A. and the Antelope Valley. Um and I've been loving watching that stuff on Facebook. These guys are going down like the Instagram stories are crazy. These guys are like ripping these little tiny mini bikes that could fit in your a backpack. A large, they make a Moto Compo look like a, a you know, a Boss Haas basically. And these guys are ripping at least 60, 70 miles an hour on these things. Maybe 90. I don't know. Maybe over 100. I have no idea. Uh, they don't have Speedos on them. And, um... Yeah, just ripping these little mini bikes with like six inch wheels, crazy stuff. So I've been looking at Trail Buddy. If you ever go over to the trailbuddystore.com, they got a whole bunch of parts over there, not affiliated with this show and not a uh, sponsor or anything like that. Just wanted you to know if you're looking to build a cool mini bike, they got a bunch of sweet stuff over there, uh, like OMB. Um, there's a there, there's a lot of uh, mini bike stores still making the mini bike dream uh, a thing, sort of like it used to be back in the old days here in SoCal. So just I've been I've been on that. The electric things really drive me nuts. Me and my kids went on a bike ride today and actually skateboarded today for the first time in like a hundred years. Um, and over 20 probably actually is. I used to be uh, I used to be a really good skateboarder. I quit about 20 years ago. Got back on a board for the first time today in about 20 years and didn't kill myself. And it actually felt pretty good. It's like came back to me. Um, didn't ollie over any trash cans or anything. I don't think I'm at th- that level yet. But anyways, so long story short, getting back into the mini bikes, getting back into the bicycles, the things that got me into motorcycling because I want to like get my kids into it. My daughter is already like excited about it and already... Um, she already told me she wants to ride a motorcycle uh, to high school. So I'm excited about that. Um, she's not going to be in high school for a few years, but that'll give us this time to solidify her love of two wheels. So I'm just really giddy about all these electric bikes, bicycles, uh, a lot of stuff that we're probably going to talk about on next episode because we just don't have enough time tonight. But there's a lot of stuff uh, already electric coming out. We're going to be focusing mainly on BMW. So if anybody, any other show listens to this and beats me to the punch, you know they heard it here. At least I know they're listening. Um, I did want to say, hey, 
Word of the week, baby. If you're the first time ever listening to the show every week, every show, actually, we have a random word. Tonight's random word is... Let's ding the bell. Oh. Not crash the plane. So if you never listened to the show before... Uh, if you've listened to it before, you're probably sick of me explaining this to people that have never listened. If you're listening to this show for the first time, I don't believe you. Uh, but anyway, in the past, we would say this word of the week. And if anybody said it during the show, they would have to do a punishment. Uh, and tonight's word is compete. Uh, we would go over here to, pardon me, we would go over here to our uh 4,000 cc. Of course, we live in America. We Everything over here is 4,000. It's a four liter uh, V12 um, Tomahawk by, uh, they, made a, they made a Dodge Viper and then added two two stroke pistons to the front. But anyway, they, uh, we do the word of the week. We'd, we'd ring this little bell and to be official. This week's word of the week is compete. So, compete. How can we wrap that into this week's show? Well, listen, I don't want to compete with, with the, any anyone else um, on the topic of electric motorbikes, but we're going to wrap up the saga that we started last week with Hunter Leonard. And I dare you to compete. Uh, I don't know. Compete. Go compete with... <laughs> go compete your meat out on the street, you big ho- crazy hobo. All right. The word of the week is official right now. If I say that word... Uh, email us creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com apply to be the new host and uh, yeah you take over the show next time Um, anyways so now that we're done with that and the word of the week is in the books um, go look it up in the dictionary I can spell it C-O-M-P-E-T-E so you're not thinking I'm saying something else Um, but yeah that is definitely uh, something that you want to do with yourself with the rest of the world Um, let me see what else we got here so anyways so, some announcements. Uh, like I said, I went to a two-stroke show last week, got a few pics, put them up on Instagram, which transfers over to Facebook. Yay. That was a lot of fun. Didn't do anything, just breezed through there. Had my kids with me. They are not about motorcycle shows, even though my daughter wants to ride. They are not about walking around in the in the heat and uh, looking at crappy two-strokes, right? They don't even know the difference yet. So, I didn't really get to spend dad time there, quality man time, like I would have with Fazera with some other riders or two-stroke enthusiasts like my friend Carrie. I know she loves a good two-stroke. Uh, you know, I have a lot of buddies that uh, we started riding two-strokes when we were little kids, so uh, I know that would be a lot of fun if I was there with them. However, I was not. I was with my kids, so I was just tortured. I had to live the dad life of uh, not being able to enjoy myself very, very well on a... Uh, what could have been a fun excursion other news so enough about what i haven't been doing um what i have been doing is oogling wiggins wiggins came over on a cbx today he picked it up from uh, a mechanic up in the bay area called uh, emma boonton if you listen to the motorcycles and misfits podcast you may know her as miss emma um she did a little quick resto on his dad's or his dad's cbx i think it was uh could have been his grandpa's doesn't really matter he brought it over today and we have a couple rides planned for this month um i'm trying to make it down to, to i'm in socal i'm trying to make it down to even sower cal uh down by the mexico border um yeah i mean if you live in east county right if you look on a map you're you're pretty much 20 minutes from Mexico, right? So trying to make it back down to my old stomping grounds to ride with a couple listeners down there. If that doesn't happen, um, P.S., the place that you hit me up about, Bri Viffer, we're actually going to go there. There's going to be an actual ride there. Um, 
on Halloween. So you're invited. And uh, we'll give a shout out on, on next week's show. Um, or maybe at the end of this show and we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we're going to be up to. Wiggins is going to be riding that CBX as much as he can. So we're going to try and hit up a little. Uh, next week is the, um, what is today? Today, this weekend is the uh, 15th, 16th, 17th. Um, so you're going to be here in this Monday, the 18th. Uh, so the 19th and 20th, what would this weekend be? Like the 24th or something like that? 25th? Um, there's going to be a show down in Orange County called the Honors HNRS. Um, it's like a Japanese JDM, like rotary, you know, import cars, import motorcycles. It's like mostly vintage stuff, vintage cars, vintage motorcycles. Um, it's going to be down in Orange County. Wiggins and I are going to go. He wants to take a CBX down there and uh, show it off, wag its butt in front of all the uh, JDM lovers down there. So we're probably going to do that. Let me see where it's going to be. He sent me a flyer. Whoops, that is not... Hey, by the way, I was looking for motorcycle parts on OfferUp, and I don't know why, but a butt picture came up. Some lady selling her butt on OfferUp. I did not know that was possible. Uh, nope, that's not the one. Here it is. It's the Japanese Classic Car Show 16th Annual. Happened at the Angel Stadium of Anaheim. Remember when Connie was on our show back in December? She was talking about how there is a uh, Golden Road Brewery down by the Anaheim Stadium, Angel Stadium. So I know that's going to be down there Saturday, October 30th. So actually, it's not this weekend. It is two weekends from now. So October 30th, that's probably where we're going to be. The 31st, we're probably going to be doing a Halloween ride um, and then trying to get back in time to hang out with my kids so we can trick-or-treat and scare other kids but it's the um yeah 16th annual japanese classic car show happening angel stadium of anaheim saturday october 30th october and it starts it doesn't say what time it starts oh yeah it does nine to nine to three so it kind of gets out pretty early so that's kind of nice so go down there and check that out wiggins and i'll be there I'll be riding. Um, we'll be riding nuts to butts on his CBX. So that's some show news. Um, IMS Outdoors just wrapped up Central Florida this weekend. The next show is going to be Atlanta on the Halloween weekend. So check that out. Then it's going to be here a couple of weeks. Uh, a couple. Eh, I want to say like three weeks later in mid-November. So all of the IMS shows are going to wrap up pretty soon. I am hoping that the one here in SoCal has some actual new bikes because the way everything got pushed back in 2020, uh, nothing released anymore in the summers like it used to. It kind of got pushed back to later. So I'm hoping that this November show means that there's going to be some 2023 bikes announced. You know what I'm saying? Or we'll see a bunch of 22 bikes that didn't get announced yet. So who knows? Um, so just keep your eyes open for that IMS outdoors go to motorcycleshows.com if you want to grab some uh, tickets um, also Roland Sands National Hooligan Championship that's wrapping up October 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 but if you want to see the uh, Roland Sands event you got to be here October October 23rd at Sea Legs by the Sea is the Moto Beach Classic admission is free admission is free uh, anybody that's walking around down there in Huntington Beach uh, just walk over. There's a surfing championship. Of course, there's motorcycle racing. Well, there might not be racing. There, uh, it is a Super Hooligan National Championship final round. So I'm assuming there's going to be some motorcycle racing. I know for sure there's going to be um, 
You can sign up for that race still if you go to rollingsands.com or superhooliganationalchampionship.com, superhooligans.com, superracingchampionhooligan.com, and and a couple other websites, they link right to it. You can still sign up to actually race that race. Uh, I would only recommend it if you're super and you're a hooligan because you don't want to go in there if you're like, I'm going to go try flat tracking. You're going to get ran over. What you can try instead, there's a Super 73 race. Uh, Super 73s are awesome. And if you suck or you're not that good, uh, there's actually going to be a Stasic race too. And if you want to go and beat some little kids' asses because you're not really that even that good, you don't even think you can win the Super 73 race, enter the Stasic race. You might be a little tall for it and be hard. Maybe you'll lose actually because you won't be able to ride the bikes correctly. But at any rate, there's a race for everybody. There's going to be food, music. There's going to be an art show. Like I said, there's going to be motorcycle racing, motorcycle show, and surfing. And it's free. Did I mention that? That it's free to the public. Hey, we got the ghost of John Stamos uh, in here. And he's not even dead. It's just his ghost is here. So that's kind of weird. It's like a preemptive strike. You want to say something about the show? It's free. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, John Stamos's ghost. See you later. See you after, uh, after he dies. So, yeah, it's free, man. Did you hear that? It's free. Get your kids down there. It's family-friendly. Um, go check that out. Check out some free music. When's the last time you got to hear music live, at least in Southern California? Um, all right. What else is there going? Yeah, that's it. Let's uh, get into um, some news. Y'all want to get into some news? Toboy, you got the little news beeper going on? Let's do that real quick. All right, that's our cue. Um, we didn't get another call either. I would do uh, old man talk sexy before the news, but we haven't got second week in a row, second show in a row, I should say. We haven't gotten an email from our buddy. I mean, he hasn't sent us any to queue up. So uh, we're just going to go straight into the news. Listen here, folks. The news, the news. Sammy Halbert. He's being considered for the U.S. space program after he successfully completed a low-Earth orbit at the AFT finals in Charlotte, Mississippi, at the half-mile TT Demolition Derby, at the track, racing flat track, AFT final. Tobor, did you type these notes or did like a (laughs) sixth grader type these notes? I offered them under the influence of compressed air for the purpose of cleaning keyboards. <laughs> I don't... What do you mean? Like, what does uh, compressed air do? If you invert the application device, a mildly intoxicating cloud emerges. Oh, okay. Like the... It's like frozen air. It's like compressed frozen air, right? I mean, is that what it was... Uh, what's it called? Like, when you do that, it it freezes stuff, right? I mean, what's what is that for you? Robots are slightly addicted to freezing our SSD. Oh. What does a SSD stand for? I would tell you, but I have to find another kind of keyboard cleaner. Oh, no. You're not going to go spray another can all over your brain, are you? I need help with the news. No. Your keyboard is just very dirty. Oh. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Anyways, these notes, the Sammy Halbert notes. Thanks for helping out, Tobor, by the way. These Sammy Halbert notes just read kind of weird there at the, at the beginning so i apologize anyways so uh i'll take it over from here i'll i'll read for, uh, read ahead if i can and um let's just talk about this at the track at the uh, charlotte half mile there the aft finals 
Uh, Briar Bauman or Bronner Boomer, as the Doghouse Radio used to call him. Hey, Doghouse, hope you guys are still still around doing well. Uh, he was conducting a high-speed hay bale consistency test when he cartwheeled out onto the track uh, into the path of his, quote, sailing Sammy Halbert. I'm going to change his name here. Um, actually, he did slam, so he is slamming Sammy. He slammed that bike, and he looked like he jumped out of an airplane with no parachute the way he landed. So he slammed the ground pretty hard. But, uh, yeah, he... Um, Cart, uh, you know, Bronner, uh, Bronner, <laughs> read my own notes. Uh, Briar Bauman cartwheeled out onto the track. He didn't look too hurt. He looked, he laid there on the track like he was hurt, but I don't think he knew Sammy had flown through the air. But, anyways, uh, both riders are okay. Just to give you a uh, heads up and let you know what's going on, Sammy is in a wheelchair. Uh, he does look like he got beat up like somebody who owed the mob some money. So, hopefully, he, hopefully he recovers. Uh, luckily, it's the end of the season, but that off-season racing is going to suck, uh, especially from wheelchair. But Sammy, I hope you heal up quick. Uh, Stevie Bonzi, uh, the defending airtime and flat track crashing champion, is awaiting the results to see if Halbert has taken the title away. So him and, if you remember, uh, I think it was a Texas, Texas half mile uh, a few years back. I think, I think Jake... Um, Jake, I almost said Jake Gagne. I think Jake, the Garden Snake. Who the hell was it that like piled up in front of Steve Bonzi and sent him flying, and the guy's neck like flipped all the way backward? Jake Johnson, I think is who it was. And I think Jake Johnson did a reverse scorpion because instead of his feet going backwards to his head, his head went backwards to his feet, and Steve Bonzi went about 82 feet in the air, which is a, I think that's why he wanted to change his. Um, his number to 82 for a while, but we'll see how high Sammy flew. He definitely landed a lot harder. Uh, also, thongs, thongs, woo, thongs season is ending. We'll, we'll talk about weather too, we should. Um, throngs of bloggers, vloggers, and other social media influencers in the moto community lamented both Kawasaki and Ducati this week as the, uh, the unaffiliated duo's new models were unveiled via the interwebs. The uh, Ducati Scrambler 1100 Pro came out. It's a tribute to the L-Twin, uh, the very first L-Twin that came out in 1971. I think I was 80... I think I was 80... Six years old in 71. The way I remember decades is that I'm 16 years before a decade. So in 70... One, I would have been 86, something like that. Anyways, I was really old in, uh, when that came out, and I remember this piece of junk. Um, and so this uh, Scrambler 1100 commemorates the very first L-Twin, one of my favorite Ducatis. I have it written down in some show notes somewhere. I might have even talked about it uh, a few weeks ago. The uh, Diana Mark III, and Mark II, actually. Uh, the 1972 Diana Mark II. And uh, those, I think those, those are awesome. One of my favorite Ducatis. Anyways, so in the 70s, the L motor comes around, and that's what Ducati is famous for now. I don't think they make anything other than L motors now, right? So the Scrambler 1100 Pro comes out a little bit underwhelming. The 1100, which is a 1079cc. Before I go on, can we talk about this for a minute? I've been thinking about the ADV bike segment and the displacements. And although I wouldn't necessarily call the Scrambler an ADV bike, it's not a dirt bike. It's not a sport bike. It's not a cruiser. So it is an ADV bike. That's basically the only other category that's around nowadays. Um, 
ADV bikes consistently have marketed their bikes in a range n- n- minus, less or minus the actual CCs by like 30 to 50 CCs, right? The Scrambler 1100 is carrying this torch. Uh, the BMW R 1200 GS was always an 1170. Um, during, I, I forget what the uh, 1150 was. It's probably a 1090 or something like that. Um, but the, uh, the, the 1200 was always an 1170, and I always laughed about that. All the R1200s, you know, the R1200 GSs, the Roadsters, the Cop Bikes, all that stuff was 1170s. Uh, it seems like a whole 30cc scooter could fit in between there. Why are you rounding up so high, right? So anyways, the Tracer 900 and the Nikon, same thing. They are 847 cc's, yet they call them the Tracer 900, and... Uh, uh, I don't remember if the MT-09 shared that same triple motor, but they were 850s for a while. Um, now, of course, they are like 849s with the new uh, Tracer uh, 9 GT. That one is actually closer to 900. Um, also, what is off? The, um, the V-Strom 1000 was actually 30 cc's over. It was a 1030 this whole time. All those years, it was a V-Strom 1000. It was actually... Uh, 1,030 cc's, so you're getting a little more. And the V-Strom 1050 now is uh, still 1030, so what the hell? Rounding up and down. So why not call it the Scrambler 1080? 1080 sounds like a sweet BMX or snowboarding move. Like, 1080s are sick. Um, Why not the V-Strom or the uh, Scrambler 1080? I don't know. It sounds cool to me, so I don't know. Harley and BMW, they could technically call the 1250s 1300s at this point, and no one will get upset. Um, But according to this convention, anyways, they are right on track with its uh, Scrambler 1100. It comes in a nice ochre color, uh, which is paying tribute to the 1100 of 19... I guess the uh, 1971 model came in. Um, and I don't think it was a Scrambler 1171. I think it was just the first, whatever motorcycle had the first L-Twin. Also, they have a new uh, mo- uh, Urban Motard, the other Scrambler. And it is a Scrambler that's sort of like the R9T Pure line to me, uh, where the R9T Pure is like a no-frills version, except for that uh, on this Urban Motard, it's got a graffiti style that replicates like the urbanness of like downtown urban setting uh it does have like um it actually has a rear fender which i really like uh that sticks out just a little bit under from behind the seat uh it does have side number plates so it looks kind of motardy um and it does have like a raised upper like dirt bike fender that mounts under the triple fork or the triple lower triple triple just like a uh kind of like a dirt bike does um or a supermoto and so i'm thinking Hey, it's 800 cc's. It's got spoked wheels like our Supermoto usually do. And uh, the wheel size is pretty standard sport bike, though. Um, and it's not uh, not geared to the off-road segment like the Desert Sled or any of that stuff or that, the Fast House Desert Sled, which is, just, I think, another one of their uh, scramblers that they just released. But rather, it is more like a Supermoto segment, more so than the Hyper Motard, right? Because that thing is just too big and it doesn't really look Supermoto-y. And it's 803cc. I've seen some Husky Supermotos out there racing uh, in the F1 Supermoto stuff. So, or S1, I guess they call it. Um, so yeah, they got that. They also got the night shift, which is more like a, a street. It's like a it's like a Yamaha SCR 900 950. I mean, 
where I'm looking at my bike right now. These tires are a joke. Those aren't off-road tires. Put some street tires on this and you have a classic cruiser. That's more what the Scrambler Night Shift reminds me of. And then I think they have the Fast House Desert Sled, which is just a desert sled with some different styling stuff. Fast House is a company here in uh, California that makes uh, like off-road stuff. And um, so, yeah, there you go. That's Ducati for you. Uh, Kawasaki, man. They have, um, oh yeah. So wait, what's I say here? Oh yeah. So the desert said, blah, blah, blah. Where's my thing? So Kawasaki, here we go. Kawasaki, they introduced a jujitsu, a new jet ski. I almost said a jujitsu. They, they introduced a new jet ski because everyone knows the uh, climate's changing. The oceans are rising and jet skis are the new motorcycle, baby. And also electric boat. <laughs> bicycles uh we forgot to announce that ducati actually they do have an e-scrambler and it is just a bicycle also i know people are going to kill me about that ducati diana thing eventually i'm pretty sure it was a 1970 mark three uh anyway so uh kawasaki's here we go uh they're not giving us no no uh motorcycle no i mean <laughs> no motorcycle they're not giving us any bicycle uh, a ton of new Kawasaki's that came out, as well as uh, Clayton uh, Porboth's cousin Tanya. Thanks, Clayton, for writing in to tell us about that, by the way. Uh, in Kawasaki fashion, they added, uh, and congratulations to Tanya, by the way, also, you and your new bride. They added a letter and or subsized to favorite and called it a good time and let the good times roll. First on the list is the KLX 230S. Uh, it's basically a KLX 230. And I was looking at this with some people at my work uh, trying to figure out the specs on this. I think the S just stands for shorter. Basically, the KLX 230S was everything that the KLX 230 is, just a little bit shorter. And, like, the main differences was, like, the suspensions and the lowered seat and all that stuff. So I think the S stands for shorty pants. Uh, The KX450SR, which is, like, a race-ready dirt bike, came out. No one who listens to the show gives a shit about that. None of you are going to buy this bike and just go racing. If you're going to buy this bike and go racing immediately, email creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how it's going. Also, underwhelming, but consistently in every conversation is the smaller bikes. The Z. 650 RS, which is a subsized R900 R, uh, Z900 RS, which is their retro mod. The 650 has a parallel twin. It's got the same bore stroke and compression ratio as the Ninja 650. So I imagine, I'm guessing that it's the same motor out of a Ninja 650. Um, it's got a smaller tail, a narrower tank, uh, that coupled with the shorter seat height. I imagine it's probably going to be a really good bike for shorter riders. The Z900 RS, for somebody like me who isn't uh, really tall, it is a little bit to throw your dick up onto the seat up there uh, and get your butt cheeks to clamp on there and grip with your knees. A lot easier would be to, a lot more fun would be to uh, just flat foot a 650. So, but a smaller tank though, narrower tank, get your feet down to the ground, but also less fuel capacity, right? Well, it's a 650. Hopefully it's not horking up gas similarly to the uh, the 900 is. Um, and what else I'm going to say about that? Oh, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know much about this. Uh, as a 650, it probably gets better, better mileage gallage, so it's a good little spinoff. You tell me, uh, email, you tell me at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Win the competition. Come on, be the host for next show. 
and you tell us all about the Kawasaki. They've also tacked SE onto a few existing models that wasn't there last year, imbued them with some additional features. I don't even know if that's the right word, uh, right use of the word imbued, uh, but they got like mostly it's better suspension and brake packages from what I saw, uh, and mostly from Brembo, and I didn't see who the suspension was from. But yeah, you stick SE on something now, and uh, guess what? It's freaking uh, ADV bike now. Well, not technically ADV, but you know, you get what I'm saying. ADV bike, uh, it's an adventure bike to take you sport touring. And it's exactly what uh, Suzuki saw the, the ninjas doing. And they're like, hey, our new, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to be back with Hunter. He's going to wrap up his uh, second half of his saga with the Staratania, and we will get into that. Let's take a quick break, play some bills, and play some gills on some catfish and some girl's name. Yeah, you tell me. All right, you tell me at creativewritingpodcast.gmail.com. What's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist puppies available only at Hetty's on Fourth Street. Got a secret you need to hide? Oh my gosh, Dad, does Mom know you have a new motorcycle? I'm so gonna go tell her. Try Brainwipe. Brainwipe is a specially formulated powder you slip into someone's drink and they will never remember a thing. No longer will you have your nagging wife asking you to spend more time with her on the weekends instead of out riding with the boys. Ladies, no more oopsie, I forgot to buy groceries this week because I bought bike parts instead. And definitely no more of this bullshit. Mom, I'm gonna tell Dad to cut a new motorcycle if you don't let me ride it. That's right, get Brainwipe at your local grocer. Brainwipe, solving life's motorcycle problems one at a time. And now, Brainwipe for kids. Brainwipe! Who said that? <laughs> Brainwipe. Hey, given the events and everything that went on with Bill Cosby and all those fools last year, RP Enterprise, you may want to rethink the branding on that Brainwipe. It is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind-esque. I know that's what you were going for, uh, but... Having been the one that you sent that cold copy to and having read it, now I feel like a creep. Please change the copy and resend me. More, something more like, hey, let's, let, let's erase those bad memories. I, I don't know. I don't know how you can make that better, but that's <laughs> the commercial did not sit well. All right, everybody. Uh, we are going to get into part two. Uh, go to leonardmotorworks.com if you're listening right now so you can follow along with some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Leonard and... Uh, Motorworks.com, and I think he said HunterLeonard.com. I don't know if, uh, what's over there. I haven't checked that one out. But yeah, uh, we're going to get into the uh, story, the the man, the myth, the guy from RIT. You didn't know that was a place, did you? We're going to get into his story right now and uh, wrap up our segment from last show, uh, Leonard uh, Motorworks. Or Hunter Leonard and the Startania, the Startania from Leonard, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to get into it right now. So hang out with me and Hunter while we talk crap about electric motorcycles, building them. Uh, he schools me on what a flux capacitor is, and uh, we talk a little bit of uh, 
to Jabberwocky Dance Club. All right, this is Creative Writing. Here we are. All right, we are back. And um, so if you are just catching up with us, uh, head on over to leonardmotorworks.com. Check out uh, the bike that we're looking at is the Steritania. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about right now. Um, right now, you've, if you're just tuning in, which is hard to do on a podcast, uh, you are, you're missing the, the first hour of um, this epic tale right here with hunter um so really quickly again recap for us you what are you you're you're at school you're now you what's your degree again uh mechanical engineering mechanical engineering you've gone you've done a uh intern with uh a nasa uh internship in cleveland uh you you're starting to develop a a, a terrible motorcycle problem which is always a good problem to have <laughs> and and things are quickly escalating and now we're jumping into the the bread and butter of tonight's conversation which is your the spike that you were inspired by in your travels to germany the steritania and honestly um a couple of the other bikes the the uh, the nighthawk the blackbird the steritania kind of sounds like it could be some sort of little songbird from mm-hmm. germany or pennsylvania which i don't think pennsylvania and germany is too different probably in <laughs> some parts of it but rad so here we are we're getting into the uh the full-on design of this thing now and you're you lead me now where where are you going and this is uh this is your junior year now yeah so i'm going to my junior year at rit it's uh it's fall of 2019 and i just finally moved off campus to a house that's about three minutes away i've been in this house uh, since fall of 2019 and it, it's the perfect house it, it's uh, it's three minutes from campus it's in a cute little like cute little neighborhood uh, no there's not really any trouble back here I've got my own large like deep car garage but it's only a one single bay garage and god forbid we put a car in there there's way too much right, stuff there's too many motorcycles yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and it's the perfect house slash environment to continue working on stuff. And our landlord is super, super nice. Like, uh, I do as much as I can to like keep him happy because you know we are making a big mess in his garage, and you know there's there's paint on the floor and there's grease in the carpets, and it's not great. But you know, I mow the lawn for him, and I whatever nice. happens with the house, I fix it myself. He never gets involved, so it's a pretty hands-off process for him. He's happy, so. That's what's important. Yeah. Uh, happy landlord. I, I have to ask you too. So you do you? Ha, I know you said you have a car or a, a bike hauler. Obviously, you've got some form of transportation. Um, you're not on motorcycles all year round. Are, are you in a car uh, when it's long distance? Is it is it just that one car that you have that you haul everything with? Uh, yeah, I've I've traded that Subaru in for a minivan. Uh, it's not as sexy as a Subaru Forester, but uh, it's more capable. It's a 2012 Honda Odyssey, and this minivan is actually actually belongs to my family, uh, and my parents gave it to me for a pretty cheap price. And the three dollars, <laughs> a little more than that. Uh, okay, it's, it's taken my family around the country 
on multiple road trips down to North Carolina in years past. Uh, this thing is rock solid, and it, it can tow a uh, it can tow a pretty big trailer. It's not meant to tow trailers, but it does the job. So I'm not going right. to complain. Uh, right, and yeah. that is how I get just about anything anywhere. Nice. It's also probably big enough to sleep in and put like a tool chest in, and you know what I mean, like be a pit a pit van or a pit. Uh, and when you're when you're out riding dirt and stuff, you throw an easy up next to it, and it's like a it's like a poor man's semi trailer, you know. Oh, you, oh, you're you're ahead of me. I, uh, yeah, um, we have, so with some of my friends from an engineering club I'm a big part of, uh, we do power racing series races and it's nice. uh, it's a series that uh you, for five hundred dollars you build a two horsepower electric go-kart built around like a kid's toy it's like a like a power wheels plastic car uh and these things they're pretty fast but it's not about how fast you are it's about like how consistent and like how reliable your five hundred dollar shitbox is at getting around a, a race car track um and this minivan has towed me and my friends to multiple places all around the Northeast, uh, to races in Ohio, races in Pennsylvania, and in New Jersey. And yeah, we would have the trailer behind us. We'd do the the ten foot pop up right next to it. It would be our pit. Uh, we haven't really slept out of the minivan, but we totally could if we needed to. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's and, and right. Yeah. I want to talk more about that later than yeah, too. Just add that to the argument of why minivans are superior to pickup trucks. Can't change my mind. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> No one's, gonna steal, no one's gonna steal or no one's gonna uh, no one's gonna key a minivan right like no and uh unbeknown you know there's a reason more babies are uh conceived in minivans than almost any other type of vehicle too uh, moms won't tell you that but that's why they drive those minivans they get the action uh let me see here sure um so sorry for that tangent back to the uh the staratania here uh I feel like I'm saying that wrong every single time. I'm just going to pronounce it wrong every single time. I'll get a good one and I'll edit them all back in. How's that? <laughs> uh, yeah, don't worry. It's, <laughs> it's actually, uh, it's a little bit worrying like how many people pronounce it wrong. You're not alone. Uh, it yeah, makes yeah. me a little nervous, but uh, maybe it's more like a litmus test to future customers. If you can't pronounce it right, yeah. you buy one. You don't get to buy one, yeah. <laughs> well, because it looks like star at the front, but I'm sure it's stare. Stare it. Like, like yeah. the, uh, the gauge brand got you so there's right okay i just need to stare it a little a little more and maybe i'll get uh, it <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, um, so, so yeah we're we're you're building this thing and and you get your, you, a pretty small budget two two thousand bucks i know those motors probably aren't um that cheap and you've got other things besides the motor you got wiring harnesses and controllers and all sorts of fun yeah, so the, so the very first parts I buy are uh, so the first uh, the first edition of the frame was made out of uh, two inch square tubes, uh, all cut at weird angles and welded together. Uh, and this would turn out to be not fruitless, but it would turn out to be pretty pointless because I forget a really important thing. Like, see, everything's a learning process. Uh, but um, like, if you want to look at the 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 build process web uh, web page like i can like help like talk through some of the photos uh i'll do my best to include people who aren't looking at the photos but uh that very the first slideshow is all the uh everything that happened uh this fall of 2019 
Uh, the foot pads were were laser engraved out of some stained wood. Uh, there were rims and tires coming in the mail, and lots of parts from McMaster. I'm definitely one of their top ten customers. Right. And uh, steel tubes are coming in. Uh, so I also worked at our school's machine shop, so I was earning a little bit of money there. And funny enough, like not much really happens in the machine shop. My job is just to sit there and make sure no one dies. So uh, I can bring in my own materials. I can cut my own stuff. I can make my own projects while also getting paid. So you know, I took full advantage of that. Yeah. Um, uh, there, the motor mounting plates were were milled out on a two-axis CNC. The the tubes were attached with uh, those U-bolt clamps, and then uh, had the hub motor and the tire had to be mounted and. Holy crap! Uh, I hate mounting motorcycle tires, but it's, it, unfortunately, it's just one of those things you have to do when you're yeah. a motorcycle rider. Or, well, unless you get someone else to do it. But since I'm cheap and I wanted to do it myself, I did it with you know those uh, with lots of soapy water and, and spoons, three tires. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sucked. It sucked so much. Lots of sweat and uh, pressing, probably too. So. And then uh, all those tubes were were cut and drilled and laid out. Uh, and then in my pretty barren garage, it was it was pretty empty at this point uh, of living in this house. Uh, they were welded together. The, the front fork was bolted in with some bearings. Uh, and then by the end of this, uh, by the end of fall 2019, the CAD model was basically finished and I had a rolling frame. It was a bare steel frame with foot pads you could rest your feet on, a seat, handlebars, and wheels. Uh, you could wheel it around and you could sit on it. That's about all it did. Uh, but it was like the right wheelbase. It had like the right like, girth to it. I don't know how, what the best way to say it was, but it right, right. was a start. And before you get into that, I wanted to ask you, because this is a super interesting way that you went around it. Um, our last guest that did a DIY motorcycle chose a stealth bomber motor, uh, mountain bike frame, which kind of had a battery box built in it and a little bit of a cage. And I think he had to modify it. You know, well, I know he had to modify it uh, when he upgraded it. But this, this, what you went with here, this flat, uh, for anybody that's not looking, it's like a flat plane frame. It's like a window frame almost with a head tube uh, welded to it. And most most electric bikes that I've seen, they go with the big like cage frame or like a perimeter frame, sort of like a, a you know like a Sportster or an old Triumph or anything like that, where you're gonna lay everything across it and lay the batteries and the motors out across it. Um, this is the most one of the most interesting designs I've seen, where you have this, the frame is flat and it's in the in the center. It's not outside. It doesn't seem to hold anything. So I can't wait to talk to you about the battery placement and if it's modular and, and all that stuff. Like I was looking at this going, oh wow, this is the first time I think I've seen, uh, you see bicycles made like this where the frame is down the center, but I've never seen a, a motorcycle planned out this way. So it's just interesting to me that this frame is central uh, rather than like perimeter or trellis or anything like that. So I, yeah, this is a super crazy design to me. And I was just, um, I, I, I saw how you put it together and it's awesome. And it just blew my mind that, whoa, this this is uh, the first time I've seen something um, like this. So before we get too far in there, uh, and for people that aren't following along, you're gonna have to go check out the building of the Staratania and and to see exactly what he's talk what we're talking about here. Just yeah, the I way this thing all, goes I together. The secrets. 
Yeah. You build yeah, your it's, own it's, almost. Yeah, it's incredible how this thing goes, but it's super unique um, compared to any other motorcycle I've seen designed. You know what I'm saying? And of course, like a lot of the designs nowadays that are electric are based on 3D printing and, and carbon fiber frame uh, technology and um, like hydro forming and, you know, all sorts of different techniques. And this one is just so raw and so, like you said, old school. This is like a hundred years old uh, technology almost on this thing. So it is interesting to see, but at the same time, it's pretty amazing. So um, definitely check it out. And yeah, so so sorry to sorry to go on a tangent, but yeah, walk us walk us through this, man. So this is this is you got the rolling chassis basically right now on this thing. Yeah. So the the whole thinking why I did it this way was uh, I. I've heard all the horror stories of, especially like German-made cars. Like, God forbid you ever have to like work on a BMW or a or a Mercedes or something. Um, but I hear the horror stories of bolts being inaccessible. Uh, inaccessible. You have to take the car half apart to like do a simple job or something. Yeah. And uh, the it's same true. thing. It's like, true. Yeah. Same things going for electric motorcycles, just modern motorcycles or any modern vehicle. They're getting so complex. To the point where everyone is afraid to touch them, uh, right? Like I. Well, you have to you have to have the owner's manual or not the owner's. You have to have a repair manual there because there are 15 procedures. Like a lot of times on a, the old Harley Davidsons before they were a little bit more mod. Like not old. I shouldn't say old. I mean like 2010, 2015, you know, 2016. You had to pull the flipping gas tank off to change out a turn signal because the way that the uh, the routing went all the way down through the handlebars, through the frame, through all the stuff, it wasn't very modular. And you really are taking half the bike apart just to swap out a turn signal housing or something if you were to fall over and or somebody even at a you know bike rally fall uh-huh. into it and break your signal off, right? So that's just for something that's tiny and out there, not, you know, when you're like when you said BMWs and and uh, you know things like that, Mercedes, yeah, you want to get to the battery, uh, or you you have a you know battery go dead on you while you're in a parking lot. Guess what? You got to like take everything out of your trunk, remove half of your. <laughs> you know, they usually put the body batteries in the bot in the bottom of the trunk, and so if you have anything back there, or you're on your way to a wedding or out of out of state, and your whole you know back end is filled up. Guess what? You're you're out of luck and. Yeah, they're terrible, right? So yeah, this is this thing's open. Is that was that the concept behind it was to make everything accessible? Uh, as accessible as possible. I I didn't want to use any security fasteners or anything silly like that. I didn't want to have anything locked behind multiple layers of plastic, or uh, I didn't want to have wires tucked left and right, and you had to take half the bike apart to do a simple task. Um, because I know that's getting more and more common these days, and I. Uh, this one reason why I love my old motorcycles, they're, they're so simple and easy to work on. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that they're still running all these years later. Uh, and I've also noticed the same thing with electric motorcycles. You know, they all share the same basic design concept. And they're using fancy uh, carbon fiber this, they're using aluminum alloy that, and none of it is... I mean, yeah, you'll go a little bit faster. Oh, yeah, your bike will lay, you know, a couple kilograms lighter. But when I, like, a motorcycle enthusiast look at a bike, one thing I'm thinking about is, 
what happens when it breaks down? What happens when I need to replace something? Uh, do I take it to a dealership? Do I, do I need to take it to a mechanic? Can I do this myself? And not many people have, you know, the same amount of tools and resources that a mechanic or a dealership has. So they often have to, you know, bring up a lot of money in order to get anything simple done. And I would hate to be the guy who creates a motorcycle that someone has to suffer with. Uh, I'm not saying yeah. like modern motorcycles break down often enough that that kind of work is necessary. But if something were to go wrong, I, I wouldn't want, you know, if, if you lay down the lay down a zero motorcycle or something, and you scuff the frame and you damage some internal wiring or something. I wouldn't want that to total the motorcycle. I want right. I would I want the vehicle to continue on past a service life of, you know, five years or something. I would like my electric motorcycles to last as long as the 100-year-old motorcycles I got my inspiration from. Right. Right, and there's there's a certain durability that comes with using the... I mean, your your motorcycle, it definitely... You're right. It, uh, here's, uh, here's a comparison I want to make. Um, you... I know you spent some time in Cleveland, but in, in Goshen, Indiana, there's this little company called Janus that makes uh, motorcycles that really look like they're from, you know, the 1920s. And yeah. they're basically... Yeah, so they're Lifan powered modern uh, motorcycles, but they they basically style them and they do some of the welding and, and fabrication there in Indiana, and uh, to to look similar to this, but um, you know just to be small displacement, um, enjoyable little cruisers. And, and from what I heard, they're awesome. So yours definitely takes that. It's not trying to be. You're not trying to have the biggest lean angle. Those those footboards that you have are massive, but you know what? A lot of things back in the day were exactly like that. You were you were using repurposing running boards from trucks, or you just had. I mean, that was the um, the uh, technology of the time was you know actual boards, running boards, and footboards were boards. So it it totally looks period, and and it looks pretty rad. And the durability sounds like it's there too. I mean. I think that's that's a key. You're already thinking ahead, uh, way further ahead than a lot of people that are designing, uh, you know, modern motorcycles um, as far as longevity. Because <laughs> I, I can tell you, a lot of them I don't think would survive a, a tip over. Um, speaking of the live wire, that thing has so many weird little pieces on it. Um, the battery is the main part that you see. You know, the battery and the motor little block underneath. Um, and the rest of that whole frame and everything just clamps to it around it. And the way the foot pegs and everything mounts is more or less just weird plastic to save weight, like you said, clamped to the battery, you know? Um, yeah, everything is tied to everything else. If you break one yeah. thing, you probably break a whole system and every, a lot yeah. of parts would be replaced after that. Yeah, you're riding the battery and they had to make the parts as light as possible to, um, to do that. That yeah, you're you one tip over, and I don't think you're like yours looks like you could you know that yours looks pretty robust. Let's just put it that way. I think that it could. Uh, uh, if mine tips, if mine tips over at a standstill, actually the foot pads will catch it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, the bike will lean on its uh, foot pads before it falls over. It's actually really yeah. hard for this bike to fully fall over. Yeah, you could do away with the side stand in certain. If you're on a steep enough hill with an angle, you just tip it onto the the foot pad. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love the design of those too. By the way, um, it looks. Did you fill them with resin afterwards too, or something, or is yeah, that just like the finish? I covered the wood with resin to to help waterproof them. 
Gotcha. Yeah, those look really cool. I thought that I thought that was a nice touch. Like they look big to me, but they do look they totally period correct, and and I like the finish on them. I was actually um, planning on making them even bigger uh, on future motorcycles. When I when I build more of these, uh, I'd like them to actually be even longer, like possibly right three feet long. Got you, got you for a passenger or just so yeah for you... a passenger. Gotcha. Hell, throw a bag of groceries on there. If you don't have a passenger, you strap some groceries to those babies. <laughs> sure. I, wait, I never even thought of that. Oh, uh, uh, let me write that down. I never yeah. even thought of that. Yeah. Cargo, cargo pads. Build a, uh, put some milk crates on on the back of the <laughs> the uh, long boards. Yeah, I got my long to do list of improvements to make to this motorcycle. Uh, let me add it right here. Add tie down points Boom. to uh, long foot pads. There you go. There we go. All right, thank you. That was a that's a good idea right there. Yeah, and then also I've I think I've made it to the end, but I I swear you have a running. These pictures don't. These pictures are not the most current, right? Because you have this thing fully assembled and running. Yeah, these are photos just from fall of 2019. And Got you. I, okay. I can uh, I can blaze through uh, some of the latest up uh, uh, some of the story of how I got to the running moving prototype and then where I am right now and then we can yeah. talk about current uh, events. Okay, yeah, and let's talk about your choice of the hub motor. I, I noticed that the the last uh, guest I had on too used a hub motor. Didn't have you don't have to worry about a chain when you're running a hub motor, which is a nice thing. You don't have to worry about all those complications that you had with the uh, you know the death row or actually any of the any of the other bikes where the chains would wrap around stuff. You have a hub motor now, and since yours is unsuspended, um, yeah, it's I don't think that, that right. So that doesn't doesn't matter. See, the last um, the last guest had a had a hub motor and and the, one of the biggest things about hub motors to me is i'm sure they're they've got to be pretty heavy right i mean what's that thing weigh yep. yes it is and it was the when you're he's worried about right right and and he says you can definitely feel it when you're when you go over a bump the an inertia i mean it, it just doesn't handle like a motorcycle because it's it's all going up and it all has to rebound back down and it kind of is doing that while you're trying to to ride and do whatever and so on yours this hub motor totally made sense because I, I one of the first things i noticed was hub motor then i noticed rigid rigid frame and i thought hey that, that doesn't matter to you uh-huh i actually want to add rear suspension in the future and then unsprung weight would be a concern mm -hmm. but i'm not actually going to worry about it because the hub motor has too many other benefits and this isn't mm -hmm. a performance machine this machine isn't performance oriented anyways so i'm not terribly worried about it uh yeah if, if it feels a little squirrely going over a speed bump that's not really the end of the world that's just how it's going to handle and there's not a whole lot i can do about it one because there is no room left in the frame for a motor if i put a motor in the frame then i lose like half the space i need for batteries and then i also add a chain or a belt or some kind of drive line, and then I have to, you know, that requires oil or grease or right. some kind of maintenance. And a hub motor is maintenance, pretty much maintenance free. Right. Yeah, and you got an extra point of failure. And, and like you said, I mean, this isn't, you know, most of the people that were, I think the cannonball is either in progress right now or just ending, something like that. But I think that, I think it's, I think it's wrapping up this week. And those, those uh, riders are coming across the country from, 
you know, on bikes that are 120 years old right now, you know, and, and they're, they handle pretty squarely. I'm sure a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are performance machines and they're doing just fine. So yeah, this thing makes total sense. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't think that would really be somebody's, you know, a big, a big, you know, that's, it, it had me all, but that damn unsprung weight there in the back, you know, I, I, mean, <laughs> so. I, I guess part of the appeal is having it, uh, having it perform like, or feel like a motorcycle that's a hundred years old. The, the bike is long, the bike is really stretched out and it, it, it is very stable. Like I can ride this thing with no hands at 60 miles an hour, no problem if I wanted to. Uh, nice. the, the thing does feel like a big boat underneath me. And if, people don't want that if someone wants you know a high performance smooth uh plush ride then this isn't the bike for you and i can't really help you with that uh yep so you know different different strokes for different folks right when you were when you were measuring this thing out too did did the wheelbase um what what dictated the overall length what dictated the rake of the uh, you know, the front head tube and, and what, what dictated like your build specs on this thing? Was it pre-existing or was it um, battery spacing or all, you know, a little bit of each? It was a little bit of each. It was the size of the batteries uh, that dictated like the size of the welded frame. Uh, and then the, the rake of the front handlebars was actually just kind of pulled from images of these other old motorcycles. And I kind of just eyeballed it and I, I got it right. Um, the bike handles beautifully, uh, and especially when turning. The, the thing is super stable, um, and it is it is a blast to ride. So I, I definitely got that department right. Nice. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, the, the uh, you know when when we're when we're comparing it to old bikes, I mean, you could have had the the head tube going straight up and down. I mean, I, I think it just depends, you know. It, it wouldn't have really mattered that much like you said because you're not going to be probably doing like 180 through canyons on this thing but at the uh, same time like this is it's just so it is super cool looking and it's really please don't go 180 miles an hour through yeah <laughs> right um it does have a front springer fork did you is that proprietary or did you source that out somewhere i sourced that uh from ds springer forks they they make these um uh, they make these new uh, new Springer forks for old Harley Davidsons. So, like, if you're doing like a Springer like chopper build with your Harley, then this would be the part you would buy. And they sell them in nice. different lengths and stuff. And this is the shortest length. Uh, yeah. Uh, Springer. It gives it like have. a it gives it like a really stout look, and it keeps the line of the bike kind of more or less parallel to the ground. It's really it's got a nice aesthetic to it. Um, when now you the the rolling chassis I'm looking at looks pretty parallel. Once you started loading it up with batteries and weight and stuff, did it did it uh, change the stance of it a little bit? No, it didn't change that much. The the rear didn't change at all because it's unsprung. But then the front the springs are pretty stiff because they're meant to hold up the weight of an entire Harley, which gotcha. are pretty heavy. So uh, yeah. no, it didn't really change much. Nice. Um, yeah. W what is the? Do you have an overall weight for this thing? Yeah, uh, currently riding right now, it's 450 pounds. Oh my god, that's that's nothing. It's not terrible. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little bit more. Um, it's one of the heavier motorcycles of my collection that I ride. Uh, but when it's moving, or like when I'm riding it around like uh, slow speed maneuvers, it doesn't feel very different. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's awesome. You, you got it. 
You obviously got the, uh, you know, some of the, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, not the ergonomics, but you've got the the, the dimensions um, figured out then, it sounds like. So that's, yeah, that's I, I always a plus. Change yeah, nice. And then the batteries that you use, we, we, before the show, we were talking a little bit about battery tech and like maybe we'll get into, I don't know if, if we're heading this direction already, but some of the nerd specs on this thing with like, you know, um, battery battery tech, how did you choose what batteries you were going to use? Obviously, you said that you built the frame based on the batteries, so you, you must have had some predetermined batteries for this thing and, and something planned out for what would be the, quote, gas tank. I'm assuming that's like where the controllers and some of the management stuff goes. Yep. So, yeah, so how, how did you... Um, you know, the frame blew me away. First, the first thing I saw us when I opened this build page was that, you know, and I'm thinking, what the heck? So obviously you built that purpose, you know, with the purpose in mind and the batteries that you chose obviously was the whole reason behind this. So what do you, what do you got in there? Like what, uh, what size and, and where, where did you find them that you knew you had to build this frame to these dimensions? So these batteries in this bike, uh, are going to be the last time that I use these batteries in this okay. bike. Um, I there are a bunch of reasons that led me to using salvaged Nissan Leaf cells. Oh, uh, crazy! They're from a 2013 salvaged Nissan Leaf. There's 16 of them in there, and uh, so they're all in series. They all add up to 134 volts when fully charged, and uh, they can happily like output up to 250 amps continuous. So this, the batteries, the, the bike under full acceleration is pulling like 200 amps. Uh, so the bike, it's a walk in the park for these batteries. They're giant uh, lithium polymer cells. They are, they're really good at high like current discharge, but they're not very good for like high capacity. Uh, so gotcha. they're not as energy dense. And actually, if I look at the specs of these batteries new from the factory they currently have uh, about half the energy density of modern like lithium ion batteries wow that's terrible and that's from the factory <laughs> that's from the factory right. and these things are from 2013 i bought them off of batteryhookup.com uh for 50 dollars a cell and back then when i decided to use these batteries it was a because they were cheap B, because I thought that the supply of Nissan Leaf batteries would never run out. That was real dumb to assume. Uh, and <laughs> uh, C, they were huge batteries that could be bolted together with uh, bus bars. They were extremely easy. There was no spot welding yeah, of nickel strip. Right. There were no complex wire harnesses or anything silly like that to connect a bunch of little tiny cells together. There were big honking cells with a couple copper bus bars and thick wires would hold them all together and it would make the, the battery wiring and setup and management so much easier. And while that part was correct, the assuming that these batteries would be in supply forever was wrong. And soon after buying 16 of these Nissan Leaf cells for a total of $750, which was relatively cheap for the amount of batteries I was buying, uh, the market dried up. I, I can't find any more Nissan Leaf cells anymore. And uh, I know going forward that I'm going to have to switch to different a different battery technology. And I definitely should as well because these batteries are about two-thirds of the original capacity out of the factory. 
they right. they suck like like they they suck a lot. Um, but the important thing is they were cheap and they're big and easy to work with, and they got the bike rolling uh, eventually. They eventually powered the motorcycle, and that's why I picked them. What was for those reasons? Uh, it turns out now now that I can't buy them anymore, and after having to suffer from my own decisions. Uh, about how the batteries are mounted in the frame and how the wires would traverse through the frame. Uh, I've now learned that I don't want to do that anymore because it really sucked. And I want to switch, like, I want to move all the batteries to the front of the frame rather than straddle uh, along the length of the frame. And there's a lot of other small changes that I want to make. Uh, the issue now is money again. I don't have the money to... I want to build another Steratania. I want to build a version 2, and this version 2 right. would be consumer-ready. I could sell that bike to someone, and I and I would like to. The problem is I don't have the I don't have the cash right now to fund the materials I would need. Like all the steel again, the tires, the hub motor, the fork, all that stuff costs a lot of money, and I simply don't even have the money in my account right now to do that. Yeah. Uh, so this first prototype it shall stay for now but I'm, I'm that's why i'm writing down all these ideas things i want to change things i want to do so when i start all over again i can make the next one even better right and i, I think i see your cells um going down a little bit further stacked a different way i don't know if this is like a more a secondary uh take on it but i, I you know what i love the way they look the way they stack and it, and the bolts that run through them kind of looks like old heads like on a if you ever look at like old bmw k motor um how they're kind of a four cylinder just on its side and you can just see the tops of the heads out mm -hmm. there these look like that i mean this looks like for all intents and purposes uh if you didn't if i didn't know that it was an electric motorcycle i might assume that those were some heads from one side until i saw the other side you know um so it looks amazing yeah i've scrolled down now i love the saddlebag i just love the look of this thing it's pretty it's pretty awesome and um i can see though that yeah you those batteries just look too too good in there like they they look like they mounted too easy nothing can be that easy <laughs> so um and you know what now that you are, are the the last um person we had on our show that built his also he welded he ended up welding making his own batteries and welding like you said nickel strips together and he said it was yep. a pain in the neck and Agreed. all sorts of yeah <laughs> so. I, I, I have done it for other projects for those little uh power racing series cars i've made some yeah. of my own batteries and spot welding nickel strips and i hated it i still hate it yeah i refuse to do it um i yeah. and god forbid i will God forbid I have to do this for the rest of my life if I end up building these full-time. I do not want to spend the rest of my life spot-welding giant packs of lithium-ion batteries. So right. anything with a bus bar or already pre-attached wires from the factory or whatever, that's what I would go with. Yeah, and I see what you're talking about at the back of it there, how it all looks just so so nice. <laughs> it just uh -huh. looks like plug-and-play. Um have you have you ridden this thing? Have you got an interest from anybody to? Because I think it's beautiful. I mean, I looked at it. The first thing I looked at it, I was like, oh my god, it just looks so cool. And then when I saw that you, I started looking at it a little closer. Hey, that's a hub motor. Hey, those are those are batteries. Hey, you know, this is somebody made this. And I started looking at it, and it's like that's kind of how I uh, saw your story on on Reddit of all places. Uh -huh. I've been prowling there a lot, and there's just so many good things coming out of it. 
Um, have you had anybody approach you and say that, hey, could you build me one of these? Or, hey, I want, how much would you want for that? I've gotten a lot of interest and I've gotten people asking like what, what price I would charge. Uh, I unfortunately haven't found anybody who's, you know, willing to put that money down right then and there. Yeah. I really hope to find that person soon. Uh, I mean, I still got to finish college and I still got to find a garage that's bigger because right now I'm already outgrowing my garage right now and I don't want to stay in Rochester forever. So I really got to, before I take anyone's money and I build the next you know, the next one, the, the bigger one, the one I'd actually sell. Uh, I really need a, a better garage and I need some better tools. And there's other things I got to take care of first. So uh, yeah. I got to figure out the, the, the next design. I'd like to start building some of it on my own, preferably without someone's money, because if, if things go wrong or my life plans change for some reason, I wouldn't want to be on the hook to like return that person's yeah. money or something. I wouldn't want right. to owe somebody something or make a promise that I can't keep. So I prefer right. to fund the next one on my own. So it might not be till two years from now, maybe three years from now, where I'm like fully settled down, have have my big barn or garage or wherever I'm living. Hopefully it's a big garage or barn. And I have all these tools to myself. I have enough money in the bank to help support myself. And then I'd be ready. It's like, hey, you want one? Here's exactly what you'd be buying. And I could show them not the prototype, but the like the finished polished model that would be exactly like the one they would receive. Right. So I'm still a couple years away from that point. Right. You know what too I think is amazing is that um, I mean you're you're obviously college age, but you just looking at your your bikes too on your restorations page, you love these things that um, I, it was sort of like me. I mean I grew up when sport bikes were becoming like the thing, like everybody wanted a Ninja, you know, and everybody wanted a, uh, Honda CBR. And I never liked that. I, I was always, I got into cafe racers when I first started riding. Well, when I first started riding, I was on dirt, like, like, you know, similar to you. And, and, but then the first bike I rode was my buddy's cafe racer. Um, he had a, uh, Honda CB750, one of the very first ones before it was cool, you know, um, yeah. and they had that old Royal Enfield. And yeah, these things just look like they were from the 60s still. And all of your restos on here, just they're beautiful. I love that little, um, that Suzuki B, B100P. Uh, that thing looks like a little Yamaha, uh, like a CB66 or whatever those little hawks are, you know, those little, that's so crazy that that looks like a Honda to me. <laughs> but those, uh, those things are, uh, so that that b100p was uh actually referred to as they were called bloops uh by people uh because of oh it looks like the, the one looks like an l yeah and, uh i was listening to uh an audio podcast of uh of alan milliard do you know that guy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and he used to own a bloop and he was in this interview telling about his first like real motorcycle was a suzuki bloop and when i found out they were called bloops i Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, that's so that's so cute. I, I <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, I never thought of that, but it does look like that's what it says. Well, and and the fact that they look so much like the. Um, I mean, every bike looked like that with the chrome tank with the knee pads. I mean, I, I have a Honda tank from a Hawk of that same-ish year. I think it's a 65. Uh, and also, I know Yamaha's had, like, some tanks like that. But that is just such a rad, the bloop. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But your style, I mean, these bikes that you restore, these bikes that you own, even the older ones, uh, 
they got that vintage appeal. And I just love that you're making a bike that's not, you're not trying to be the next Lightning. You're not trying to be the next uh, electric Buell or, or uh, it's only a matter of time before Indian takes that, um, you know, that victory or Bramo, whatever you want to call it, impulse that they have sitting around and they try to make a, like a FTR, you know, something to compete with the uh the live wire but you're you, you're going the opposite direction like i said you're going the janice direction and all these cool old bikes that you have i just i'm stoked on it that you uh you love this vintage style something to keep it keep it alive so that we don't just have like every electric bike since it's the future it has to look like something out of a 1980s um you know anime or something uh-huh. you know they don't all have to look like that you know yeah i, agree. <laughs> so. uh, I, I don't like the direction that the motorcycle industry or car industry is uh, moving. If you look mm-hmm. at if you look at concept art for you know electric motorcycles, or a bunch of people dreamed up what a Tesla motorcycle would look like, even though Elon right. said he wouldn't be building a motorcycle ever. Hey, if they look anything like the Cybertruck, then I hope he doesn't make a mo- <laughs> yeah <laughs> <electric> motorcycle. <laughs> but it's it's all this concept art, and it's all these. Uh, I, I I understand that motorcycles and cars on the market right now don't look like or usually don't end up looking like concept art but you see a lot of what these companies want their vehicles to eventually look like and god i want to i want to vomit in my mouth these things are so ugly uh there was like a vomit in my shoes yeah i agree you remember that uh there was like that mercedes white uh like manta ray looking vehicle with the donut wheels it was all white and everything was rgb led and glowed and you got it. Do you remember that? It was like a whole press thing, not a few months, maybe a year ago. It caused a big stir. Yeah, uh, I don't remember that. Uh, but I, it, I, like, imagine like a imagine a white, uh, all white and glass car with really fat tires, like like donuts. Uh, right. You know, maybe I saw that and I didn't realize it was a Mercedes, but I do think I remember that. And it was very like sleek and very pop, like very, very shiny and polished yeah. and everything on it was. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I didn't know that was a Mercedes. And I, I'd be caught dead if I was in that thing that, oh God, it's so ugly. And <laughs> there's no, de- like, there's no, like, so I, I really like designs that have sharp corners harsh edges like you know like the styles of like the 60s and 70s like the classic cars the reason why people love classic cars is because they have such defining features they've got they've got yeah. sharp edges they've got lines that follow the car they have such defining i already said that they, they have such defining features and that's why people love classic look but what yeah blows me away is that there aren't many companies out there that are doing that again they they're going towards the the buffed out all smooth everything's a curve everything has to flow into each other kind of look and right everything turns into a ladybug or everything turns into a washing machine how am i right how am I supposed to like tell one washing machine of a car apart from another washing machine like right everything all these cars and motorcycles are starting to look like everything else yeah to be honest in the 90s i i've just been looking at some people that were posting some old stuff and i couldn't tell a, a, a zzr from a um honda from a they all had the same front end with the with the you know in the, in the 90s at least they all had the same front ends with the turn signals that stuck off the bodywork and nowadays the the only reason you can tell them apart is because they can't patent each other's winglets so they all have to put uh-huh. a winglet on there a little bit different you know what i'm saying but yeah i i get it and and i remember the first time i saw like a ford taurus and i thought 
geez, every other car in the 80s and 90s was a box. And then here comes the Ford Taurus and it looks like a weird pill or like, I don't know, it just it was rounded. And then after that, cars got rounded for a while. And then they went back to being like angular, like the Mustang went from a super rounded Mustang in the, a boxy Mustang in the 80s to a rounded Mustang in the 90s to a like, I don't know, an angular rounded Mustang in the 2000s. You know what I'm saying? And now I feel like everything's just trying to look like a Hot Wheels car. Uh And unfortunately, nothing's going back to this vintage, um, you know, I say that as I think of a Dodge, you know, Charger, that looks pretty legit. But I mean, that's like the only one, you know, Uh, the Camaro doesn't look good. And it's kind of looking like Hot Wheelsy, the the Dodge Challenger, I should have said the Charger, the Charger looks like doesn't look anything like the old Dodge Charger, the Challenger does. But I mean, the Ford Mustang, I mean, that thing's not even a sports car anymore it's like a fastback or something now it's like a station wagon (laughs) so it's like yeah everything's just turning into uh i would say a bloop except for that i just learned that a bloop is an awesome little motorcycle but um but yeah no you're going you're going backwards from i think everybody's getting streamlined and super uh super fancy uh 3d printing and and you know every single possible i think we already covered that before like everybody's going to all these composites and this and that and you're going back to steel and i love it i mean i mean even the even the hub motors if we think about them just being like copper windings around magnets is pretty pretty basic you know like that's a that's an awesome concept i mean there were uh i mean the original like mode of power like back when cars and motorcycles were still basically experimental vehicles in yeah, the early 1900s uh, electric right power there. electric yeah was even a, was a leading form of transportation right there and a, uh, some cars even had hub motors so it's not like it's not uh, hearsay to uh, or hearsay to uh, I'm using that word wrong it's not uh, it's not tyranny to uh, use a hub motor on a motorcycle that's like 100 years old it, it was a plausible right. form yeah. of power back then I think I say we make a new word too and say Tira Hair Serenisi. <laughs> right. It, it is kind of going back to, um, uh, we'll go full circle if we go back to steam, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if that'll happen. But, um, but yeah, we are kind of going back to, you know, before people learned how to blow things up and make a piston really move with gas, you know, petrol, it was steam or. Uh, electricity, you know, and I think uh, I think Tesla really would have the actual Nikolai Tesla would have had um, had he been around a little bit longer, or, or like a little bit more involved when automobiles were becoming more of a thing instead of getting like you know in a fight with Edison um, or backed by the wrong fella that he he might have invested in in that sort of thing. But yeah, here we are. Um, uh, you know, 120, 130 years later, going back to electric. So it's pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're getting into like uh, going on, uh, getting close to two hours here. So I don't want to forget anything. I did want to talk to you about your the battery technology. So you talked a little bit about it already, um, that you're running out of uh, supply. And and you already talked about how these batteries were crummy from the Nissan Leaf. So what is the next step to if you if you are to keep building these or if you going forward, um, you know, and Leonard Motorworks becomes uh, your thing after after college, um, what is the battery technology right now? Like, what would you need to happen um, 
aside from availability and cost, like what else? What else are you looking at to make these things, um, like I guess, better, more reliable, or, or, or longer lasting, or, or what's what's the big holdup as far as battery technology? Uh, I'm looking for the most energy dense cells. Uh, right. I know in the future that if I, if, you know, I can't use salvage Nissan Leaf cells forever, so I'm going to have to start paying for new batteries at new battery prices. So it's going to increase the cost of my battery pack probably by three, possibly four times. Uh, but I'm really looking to get as much energy density as possible uh, while still like remaining safe and easy to work with. The most energy right. dense cells that I know of as of right now are still the little cylindrical 18650 cells. But, you know, dealing with those in terms of like packaging, wiring and management is such a pain that I don't want to deal with any of that. Right. So are, next, are we talking like are we talking about like hundreds to make one decent sized battery? Uh, if I I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it'd be some somewhere around like a thousand of those cells to power the Steratania. Oh my gosh! And uh, that that is an ungodly amount of human labor and time to make one battery. And right. the with that amount of time and effort and motions that I have to put in to make a battery. There are so many opportunities for things to go wrong and to mess one up or to like, you know, accidentally puncture a cell or short something or mess up a, a wire here. You know, there's too many opportunities for failure and it's way too much time. And uh, if I want to be building these for people, I'd like to aim for 20 a year. I'd like to be making these almost completely by myself 20 a year. There's no way I could make 20 batteries by myself. Right. So. Yeah, no, not with all that labor intense. Um, I, with the current um, chip shortage, which I don't know if you were, would be affected by that at all. I'm not 100% sure that the semiconductors are something that you rely on for this thing. But right now, I mean, that's what's, that, that's causing a, a shortage, um, apparently, all around the automotive industry in general. And right now it's super hard to get uh, cars Except for Tesla's, because you know that that crazy Musk fella is uh, building his. Um, he's got a gigafactory, I think, going up in um, Nevada. I think he's got one in Germany or somewhere that's supposed to open too. And I think he's supposedly. I don't. I don't remember if this was um, the East Coast or not, but I thought he had one going up around somewhere back there, like Tennessee or I don't know, somewhere somewhere back east. Um, would that be something that you could do is like source out batteries from local? Because uh, overseas right now, uh, shipping is crazy too. I mean, I live not too far from the port of Los Angeles and I could tell you there's so many um, ships waiting to get in there. There's like longshoremen um, shortage. So even getting ships unloaded, whether the stuff's here or not, it might be here sitting in a container for months before you get it. So having that stuff at your, at your, um, manufactured here in the States, so you don't have to wait for shipping. Would that be like a future possibility? I, it's a possibility, but the chances are so low that that's going to happen. The mm -hmm. amount of, uh, the amount of people, engineers, the the equipment, the machines, the the space you need to be manufacturing custom lithium batteries, and then the supplier network for all those materials because you're not going to get all that lithium cheaply here in the United States. I'm uh, I'm not even sure if there are any good places for mining lithium here. 
to the states. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's. I think Utah has has uh, has one place. They, it's actually I, I learned this too on a on an electric vehicle podcast that I list, started listening to over the summer. Is that lithium is actually a salt, and so it actually doesn't get mined, but it comes from these broth farms. And I guess there's one here in the states that actually produces quite a bit of what we end up using here. Uh, or that we export. I'm not 100% sure if there's a whole bunch. Probably Tesla has bought it now. <laughs> if he's going to be building his gigafactory and using it. But um, Argentina, apparently, or, or someplace down in uh, South America has another... Um, it's either South America or like lower North America that has these wonderful... Because of the the qualities of the... Um, the sun there they got these awesome lithium ponds and they just skim it uh off the top and so they're constantly producing but yeah so we do have some i know but but not like i you know to actually make the batteries you're right it's probably like some crazy intense uh process it takes a little bit it's not like you're going to be ordering one and they're going to go skim the pond for you tomorrow and (laughs) Yeah. in the bottle and <laughs> yeah, the, the batteries are gonna have to be something i outsource uh, as well as like the motors and the wheels and all, all these other slightly more complex things it, it makes more economic sense to continue outsourcing these parts to other companies that specialize in making these things uh yeah. and, and it makes sense uh at the scales i plan to manufacture at if i'm building 20 a year then it doesn't really provide me much benefit one I take on the workload and the labor and the material costs of producing my and spoking my own wheels when I can go pay Warp 9 right. to go do it for me. Yep, uh, yep. And you okay. know they're they're better at it, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let them do it, and I can go, I can focus on the parts that I take care of, like the, the frame and the wiring. Right. Yeah, you're gonna need to get a. Uh... A design team. Do you do you have anybody that has helped you along? I mean, this looks like you're pretty much doing it yourself. Do you have anybody that um, has even uh, like has skills or has offered or that you met through the um, the shop class or anything that has could maybe uh, jump on and form a little team? Oh, there is one guy. Uh, he's actually my roommate right now. Um, he so the design and ninety nine point nine percent of this bike. Uh, has been all of my work uh, but there was that 0.1% where my roommate helped right at the end uh, when I was installing the batteries uh, onto the prototype before like its very first test ride or anything uh, some of the wires were pretty stiff to bend and like get out of the way to get everything mounted up so uh, I was he has helped a bunch of times to like help crimp wires help assemble things that required three hands at once uh, so I was, I'm very grateful for him helping me that way. Nice. Yeah, it's hard to get that uh, grow an extra hand unless you've been swimming in those lithium ponds. <laughs> so rad. Um, we're getting close to two hours here, and there's still so much to talk about. We still have your crazy electric uh, racing series that you do, and and if you if anybody heads over to LeonardMotorWorks.com, you're gonna see a couple. You do a fair bit of dirt bike racing, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that you're that you're into, and all your restorations and stuff is over there. I I want to I love to talk to you about that. We're gonna run out of time on this show, so maybe you'll have to come back and and reminisce, and actually maybe we'll get an update. You know, if you've got some more things in the in the works. But before you go, I have this stupid list that I've asked everybody, and it was a really stupid list. But since I've asked everybody, I can't let you get out of here 
without asking you nah, sure. uh, shoot, shoot it. the same same questions. All right. Hopefully this doesn't blow your drums out. All right. Wow. Well, drum roll action here. This is our list of uh, stupid questions that we ask every guest. Um, first of all, you've ridden a fair bit of motorcycles. You have built your own, and you've obviously restored and raced a few. Um, which grip would you say is your favorite, your left or your right? Uh, I'd say my right because it's got the throttle in my hand. Yep, that's been that's been a hundred percent right so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favorite dog breed? husky all right any particular reason uh i like wolfy uh wolf gotcha. dogs, german shepherds as well alaskan malamutes nice maybe your next bike can be called the night shepherd let me go write that down yeah put that yeah put that on your to-do list um what is your favorite song and of course it can be just like right now or, or whatever it's getting you through college right now or whatever is helping you build when you're down in the garage just anything uh doesn't have to be your favorite of all time but what's your favorite song right now oh right now right now uh, i mean i i like to listen to albums at a time but gotcha uh, if i hmm, favorite song would probably be uh i ripped that new testament uh no i ripped that new testament a new asshole by iron reagan is mm -hmm. i think is my favorite song right now I'm gonna have to write that down on my list. Uh, it, it's uh, it's thrash metal. I'm really into thrash. I'm starting to get into death metal. I'm scaring myself a little bit, but yeah, RIT has done that. I've heard uh, that's uh, not not unlike a lot of the other future graduates that have gone on to do great things. So just keep with it. Um, what is your favorite uh, type of sandwich? Probably the one and only order I get from Subway every time I go there. Uh, and it would be uh, Italian. I, I've got it rehearsed. I, I order this one every time I go. Hasn't changed since the first time I've been to Subway many years ago. Is Italian herbs with cheese, chicken teriyaki with bacon, lettuce, onion, sweet onion sauce. That is like the perfect sandwich right then and there. I usually ask for extra onions because I'm crazy. <laughs> it's all that death metal. <laughs> all right. I'm going to write that down. And there's a Subway down the street from the studio. I will go ask for that uh, tomorrow. Um, what would you say your favorite month is? Uh, crap. Every month has its uh, has its pros and cons. Uh, probably February or March. Uh, probably like I'm a big skier, and definitely the best snow falls during those months. Gotcha. Nice, nice. Um, what is your favorite character from the movie Spaceballs? Oh man, it's been so long since I watched that movie. Uh, I don't even know if I can name any of the characters by name. Uh, and I, I feel embarrassed if I try to remember any of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Spaceballs uh, characters. Give me, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I like this. It's good. Uh, it was definitely ooh, I, Prince Valium. I think was my favorite. Uh, Prince Valium. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty pretty uh npc in that movie but yeah okay i like that um do you have a favorite sweater and if so what is it uh being a skier i would i would imagine you at least one. have one oh. favorite one it, it's more like a work jacket but it's got a hoodie on it so if mm. a hoodie counts as a sweater then this is technically a hoodie uh yeah i 
I impulse bought a work jacket from Walmart. It was like a Dickies brand, and I don't know, it was like thirty dollars something. It was really cheap, and it was it's like one of those tan canvas jackets, but it's like yeah. cozy on the inside. I've had this jacket now for five, six years or something, uh, and it, it's got oil stains, grease stains. It's got paint on it. Uh, the the cord you use to tighten the the uh, the hood ripped out some you know millennia ago. This jacket has been through thick and thin, and it's still like my comfiest jacket. It's got pockets everywhere. It's super warm super versatile whenever i put it on i know people look at me like i mean business like i'm about to go like about to go <laughs> right. hop in my 18 wheeler or something that is definitely right. my favorite jacket because it's the it's the for the price i paid for it and the amount of uses i've gotten out of it and i i still wear it. it's hanging off my my bed right now i'm probably gonna wear it tomorrow it's uh it was definitely the best 30 dollars i've ever spent right and when it's got paint and oil on it, it's like the universal ass kicker in jacket. You know, yeah. not to uh, don't step. Mm -hmm. um, so this is going to be an interesting one because a lot of the bikes that you um, kind of gravitate toward weren't known for these. But what bike would you say has the best graphics? And I guess if you were looking at, yeah. And so I guess if you want to even not not go with graphics, but just paint schemes, because I know like if you if you're into classic bikes, they had more of like a color scheme than they did graphics but yeah or it could be dirt bike graphics whatever uh hmm. i'd say my my favorite period of motorcycle graphics because i'm a i'm a suzuki guy i i don't own one yet but my favorite like period of suzuki graphics was back when the the gas tanks uh after the gas tanks had the chrome sides but before the gas tanks had the Suzuki word, like the name on them, it was a, like right. a small oval logo. It was definitely like late, like 68, 69 into the early 70s that, the, that they made motorcycles with the little oval Suzuki logo on it. I think those always look super sexy, whether it's like the, the T500 Titan or the, the 125 Stinger, any of those old motorcycles that I'm unable to find anywhere. Uh, I really, yeah. wish, really wish I could buy one with that, like, with that logo on the side of the tank. I think that was, that was definitely like, the sexiest period of Japanese motorcycles. You, you just need to keep going to Mid-Ohio every year, and one, eventually that one will pop up. But yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I, I like that. That's one of the best answers, I think, so far. Um, it's not a cop-out. Like, hey, like the neon graphics from the, you know, the 90s, early 2000s. You know, like, it's a good uh, answer. Um, what is your, what do you think is the best motorcycle meme or do you have a favorite motorcycle meme? Uh, maybe, uh, probably the, the whiskey throttle memes where, or just yeah. those fail videos where, uh, where someone <laughs> yeah. on a dirt bike just doesn't, just get the grip load of throttle and it's like, it doesn't occur to them to, to let go. But yeah, uh, they just hang on for dear life and go for space. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite memes. That's one of my actual favorite memes. Um, so what is your uh, favorite type of pie? Uh, definitely chocolate. Anything, any more dessert-oriented pie that has, like, chocolate in it. Nice, nice. Now, this one might be rough being from, uh, well, maybe not. But being from New York, I don't know if you have many of these, but what's your favorite ocean animal? You can tell this was geared towards Southern Californians. <laughs> uh, Mm, probably some shark, some kind of tiger shark, or I don't know. Yeah, shark 
I say you name one of your bikes the Tiger Shark too. We're coming up with a lot of good names for bikes on this episode for you. Um, who do you think is right now uh, your favorite actress, or who do you think's the not your favorite actress? Who do you think's the best actress right now, regardless of if they're your favorite or not? Who's just one of the best actresses right now uh, in Hollywood? Uh, I'm gonna be frank. I barely watch any shows or movies or anything. Like I'm pretty uncultured when it comes to uh, movies and shows. I, I can't. I can't even really name anybody. Uh, nice. <laughs> well, the fact that you said I'm gonna be Frank, I'll just assume there's an actress out there named Frank that's sure, really good. Frank, and, Frank, is my favorite. <laughs> Frank, she is uh, so many movies. She's gonna win the Oscar this year. I just know it. <laughs> um, who is your favorite relative? And hopefully nobody's listening to this show. <laughs> my favorite relative, uh, definitely, definitely my grandma, Granny. Uh, okay. She's. What does she ride? Uh, she doesn't ride anything. She. Uh, I, I think she rode motorcycles when she was a kid. She probably also got rides on those old dirt bikes down in North Carolina as well. Right. Uh, okay. But no, she, I, she was never a fan of them. I think even told my brother. Uh, I think no. I think they. She even told uh, my mom's brothers uh, that they could never bring up home a motorcycle either. I should definitely ask them what their history with motorcycles is. But definitely, she's definitely not a fan of them. She, yeah, she's happy to she, see like the success I've been having with them and like the way they've changed my life, but she's definitely you know not wouldn't decide that for me or wouldn't want that for me. Right, man. You know what? Once she sees something like the like your, um, you know, you get the um, Steratania done, and maybe it'll remind her of something from when she was a girl, and she'll be wanting to hop on it. Who knows? Perhaps. She's still yeah, pretty active. I bet you. Yeah, I bet you 12 bucks that she will. Um, what name would you have chosen for yourself if your parents hadn't named you Hunter? Well, I know if I if, if I wasn't going to be a hunter, I was going to be a, a Gretchen. Was, <laughs> was, that was, the sec, was the backup name for me. Uh, nice. I don't know if I'd call myself anything else because I really do like my name. There yeah, it's a good name. A lot of people have changed their name to Hunter from other stuff, you know, just... Yeah, <laughs> so you got you got a good one. I, I personally wouldn't change my name. I, I really like the name Hunter. Nice. Nice. Good. Good or answer. Maybe, Sticking to it. Or maybe something Greek or uh there or there's uh there's uh yeah, never mind, I'm not gonna go into it. But like my, my roommate who I was talking about earlier, he was working an internship and one of his coworkers had this like Greek name that was it sounded like like a like a Greek god. It, it was, yeah, yeah. Something something Zeus and like that's your name? Like that's yeah. so cool. Like, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, crazy. I, I want to sound like a dog. How about, how about this? You change your name to Leonard Hunter. Instead of uh, Leonard. I don't know. I don't just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> I don't roll off the tongue as easily. It doesn't. No, it doesn't sound as cool. You're right. All right, we'll stick with, the, we'll stick with Hunter. Um, how many pairs? This is the final question. How many pairs of coveralls do you own? Zero. It's uh, just that damn Dickies the, jacket. The pants stop at the weights. The, the, the pants gotcha. stop at the waist. Well, you know what? Porky Pig and Donald Ducks, the uh, <laughs> the, pan, the pants don't exist. So at least you're, uh, you're ahead of the game. Hey, listen, we're going to have to have you come back on the show because I, I, I love um, hearing all this. Your, your, your story is fantastic. You got a lot of good stories about uh, just, just your mid-Ohio trip kind of sums up um, what everybody experiences there. As you, you go in 
uh, a free soul with the free will and not a care in the world, and you're compelled to buy a motorcycle by the uh, whatever whatever it is that surrounds those grounds by my, there. By my <laughs> long lost childhood camping friend. Yeah, you know what? That's hearing you tell that story. You were destined to buy. I mean, there's no way you weren't destined to buy that thing. So that's just that's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, good year, good motorcycle. And yeah, I want to see, um, maybe we'll follow up in a, in a few months and see, um, going into winter break or maybe after winter break or something, uh, we'll check back in with y'all keep in touch for sure. Um, on the, the, um, Reddit and the chat and all that stuff. And we'll, we'll keep in touch, but thank you Hunter so much for coming on. Um, any shout outs, any social media or anything you want to throw out there or if people are interested or want to fund you or anything like that, any place that they can go find you and, and check out your stuff. Um, you can, of course, uh, you've already mentioned it multiple times. You can, all, of course, go to my website, leonardmotorworks.com, to uh, check this, uh, check out the motorcycle stuff. There's a couple restorations on there, and I'm working on some more, and I hope to post them soon. Uh, and, I mean, I have a personal portfolio of, of other things other than motorcycles, including motorcycles, but there's other stuff on there as well. Uh, that's hunterleonard.com, and you can see the photos of the power racing series stuff that i mentioned nice. there's, a little, there's a little corvette that i race and a uh there's a there's a ford f-150 pickup truck that i raced as well <laughs> really slow yeah. and terrible but really cute no that's good i love it it reminds me of the old sae like autocross competitions back in the day but you're doing it with electric stuff and and making a, a kid's toy actually fun and fast you know way faster than they were off the uh toys r us shelf so that's awesome yeah, how do you uh, the race series on on YouTube? There's plenty of videos from past races, and it's it half the half the event is not just like it's not the engineering behind the car; it's just also just having a good time and putting on a good show for people. So, yeah. highly recommend you do it. Very very wholesome, that's, very fun to watch. Yeah, that's fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for wasting a perfectly good evening to come on and talk about some awesome stuff and. Um, I'm going to direct people to your page for sure and check it out. And then, like I said, I, I enjoyed uh, all these past conversations and um, hearing the different methods that, that you and, and our, our, uh, last guest Trent, our last guest Trent had. Um, two different approaches to this electric DIY thing. And both of you kind of had the same goal. I think he also was um, eventually hoping to get a job because uh he's doing the same sort of thing where he's uh i think he's in school right now but he's um he's definitely looking for a job in that industry and it sounds like you're headed there yourself and if nothing else what does a, a mechanical engineer do i mean just about everything right you could design toasters for all i know you might be the next dyson <laughs> you know i'm looking for a job in the electric motorcycle industry right now uh, if, yeah. If anyone's listening to this and they're looking to hire a mechanical engineer uh, who has lots of experience in motorcycles of all periods and types, then uh, perhaps get in contact with me because I'm currently on the job hunt. Um, Definitely awesome. So yeah, if you're listening out there, hit him up and uh, and and go to the page. There's a contact page on his uh, website, and also if you feel like getting more in debt you might have to have seven roommates to live up in the san francisco area but i think that livewire is uh harley davidson built a campus in that area in um specific yeah specifically for the livewire brand 
and electrification efforts. So I know that they're going real hard on that. I'm hoping that that's the future for them. Um, and they, they, as far as I know, they built a campus somewhere up by the Google campus or somewhere up there in Mountain View or Silicon Valley. So yeah, you could come out here. The 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 culture shock is probably not as much as the uh, the, the the monetary shock. I mean, it's I, I'm sure I've heard that some places in New York are expensive, but San Francisco is expensive even for Californians. So, but it's a opportunity and. Uh, if you're a mechanical engineer, I'm sure that there's tons of stuff for you out there. So anyways, hey, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll check back in with you later. And now we're going to go to um, our fourth segment of the show and kind of wrap things up. But thanks again, Hunter, for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criders leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource. The common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin. Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Criders Leathers. Creative Riding is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's, I killed a ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's. We've all killed a ninja. We've all been there before, folks. Killing ninjas. Doing what we do. Uh, this is Junkie signing off with the world's crappiest headset, so if I don't sound like normal. That's because it's uh, a headset, you know, so... Alright, everybody. Well, with that, we are going to get out of here this week. Hope you had a wonderful show, and I uh, hope you like it. If you don't like it, send us an email to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Put $10 in your envelope and uh, mail it to us at Creative Writing Studios, Somewhere Town, USA. Actually, just put Los Angeles and it'll get to me. Um, yeah. Anybody got some cool things coming up for Spooky Month? Hey, Spooky Month, everybody. I hope you got some cool things coming up. So, yes. Let us know what you got cool uh, happening for Spooky, spooky Month. <clears throat> let me say that again. Let us know what you got cool for Spooky Month. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, let us know what you got cool for Spooky Month. And uh, yeah, I just hope everybody has a really good time, a really good week. May the weather be fruitful and delicious and your rides be smackalicious. All right, everybody, we're out of here. And uh, don't forget, who loves you, baby? Creative writing loves you. Don't ever forget. Don't ever. So don't forget that. Actually, don't don't talk like that. That's not nice. Um, what else do we need to tell people? Uh, oh, thank you to each and every one of our beautiful patrons. 
uh, and, and as usual for your pat- Patreonic support. Um, that was really fun. We got some videos coming out tonight. Uh, well, we're filming some videos tonight. They'll be coming out this week. Early preview for the patrons. Maybe. I don't know how that works. I just said that. But uh, for sure, we do some fun stuff now and then. Patrons, if you have a uh, fun, spooky Halloween ride or you want to do like a patrons-only Halloween costume contest, let me know. I'll go as Cupid. You're really going to love me when I'm just wearing like a, a floaty cloud and I uh, have a bow and arrow in my hand. My old parole officer didn't like it that much, but, uh, you know, whatever. That's not to his cup of tea. Anyway, all right, everybody. uh, Peace, Grease, and tell your niece to quit fleecing the geese. Uh, Clarice. All right, we're out. I hate this headset. (laughs) This is the one I wear in the helicopter when me and Gary Canary do the news. And, boy, you can tell. All right. Uh, Yeah, bye. Bye, what are you doing still listening? Want to hear some funky tunes? Okay, well, maybe next time. Oh, God, yeah. You know what, patrons, by the way, I was going to put me and Wiggins working in his garage, but then I was like, what did Wiggins say? I think he said some pretty crazy stuff. We, we cast some spells. We got into some, like, Wicca, Wiccan. Um. <laughs> All right. I'll let you go. We'll post that up on Patreon. Me and Wiggins working on a stupid Honda. And, uh, yeah, he brought his CBX over today. Thing's beautiful. Runs like a vacuum cleaner. Sounds like a vacuum cleaner. But uh, looks a lot nicer than any vacuum cleaner I've seen. Except for Dyson's. Dyson's look pretty good, actually. I gotta say, CBX does not look better than a Dyson. Not much looks better than a Dyson. All right, everybody. I'm going to quit talking to this idiotic headphone headset phone head yes headphone set all right bye hey everybody this is junkie you just thought i'd come back and tell you real fast that that wasn't real i just made that noise with my mouth like this hey everybody it's junkie thought i'd come back again that one did sound even more real so i thought i'd just come back and tell you never mind it's terrible spiral of doom